Welcome to a lecture presented by members of the Syracuse, New York class. My name is Sharon Welch and I'll be your moderator for this class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated and shown proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school is a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States, Canada, and other certain foreign countries. The Syracuse, New York branch was established in 1969. The dean of our, our branch is Dr. Patrick Trevison. Our president is Dr. Robert Welch. And our vice president is Dr. John Cometti. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been mistranslated to read Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been mistranslated to read God. And the true name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been mistranslated to read Jesus. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, states in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that is the title that the creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our English language until some 1400 years after the death of Messiah, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah and proper renderings of the true name of the Father and his Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in that state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. And we have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He really chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have this cloud painted all around the edges of this chart 
to show you that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in that pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself, known as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit <clears throat> manifested himself and walked the earth plane known as Yahshua the Messiah whom the world erroneously calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Messiah at the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of the name and title can be had by reading the preface of a holy name in the Holy Name Bible. Also in the school, we teach by a divine pattern. It's called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai. He showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. This tabernacle pattern consists of a holy, most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. <clears throat> These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. We also go about to show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of the threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Our ten primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without the distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scripture, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seventh is discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons of children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby men can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Intent is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth.
<clears throat> At this time, I'd like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Frank DeMassey, and that'll be followed by a scripture, which is 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, and that and all scriptures will be read by Dr. Dave Frankowski from our Oceanside, California class, and Dr. Linda Volpe, also from our Oceanside, California class, will be our other reader for this class. Dr. DeMassey. Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. Let's take a moment and bow our hearts and minds. Let's clear our head of all the thoughts of the flesh. Let's get in that special place where we can communicate with our Heavenly Father. May this prayer be acceptable unto Yahweh, to our Savior, Yahshua. In this prayer, let each and every one of us truly come to realize and appreciate the gift that's been bestowed upon us. That in a world of darkness and deceit, he saw fit in his purpose to pull us out, out of darkness. And we are truly sons of light. And each of us realize and understand that we've been divinely invited to this gospel. Let us know that this purpose, this world, is not out of control. We have front row seats. We understand and know Yahweh's purpose. All we can do is hold fast to all the things, the witnesses that we've been shown, and try to hold each other's arms up and know that sooner very soon that the universal revelation of Yahshua is going to occur. And then all the gathering of that body, we're going to be in that body of Yahshua, the Messiah. And all the worries and miseries and cares of the flesh are going to be left behind. And we're going to spend ages and dispensations learning more of our Creator. I ask this in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. May we all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good afternoon and good evening, class. Today I'll be reading 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter from the King James Version of the Bible, inserting the proper names where applicable. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of Yahshua so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
for Yahweh hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Savior, Yahshua, the Messiah, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in Yahshua and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Yahweh in Yahshua the Messiah concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very Elohim of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, Yahweh, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with unholy kiss. I charge you by Yahshua that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, be with you. That was 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Thank you, Dr. Damasi and Dr. Frankowski. <clears throat> At this time, I'd like to uh, thank everyone that has joined us in our Zoom room and also those that uh, are viewing us um, on our YouTube channel. We appreciate your participation. Um, and uh, we will go with uh, approximately three-speaker format, and you will uh, receive a verbal a five-minute warning when your time is up. So um, be aware of that. And it is a pleasure to call on our first speaker, Dr. Rochelle Morgan from Illinois. <clears throat> Dr. Morgan? Uh, good, good evening, class. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? You can. Yes. Uh, so it's always a pleasure to um, be able to talk about the gospel and about how, what this is, the doctrine that we're under. Um, you know, um, this is a school and not a church. And this school was established from a divine vision. Can you get the scripture? I think it's Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no prophetic vision. The people perish. And then get the scripture, how Yahweh talks to us in visions and in revelations, you know. So uh, our school was established in the year 1931 by our founder, Dr. Kinley. And we're not worshiping a man. 
he was just a vessel that was used to bring this great news, this glad tidings, the gospel to us. And what I've learned since coming down here is just like the scripture lesson said, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And why that's so important is because this is a love story. And if Yahweh had not come down from that state of existence, that pure spirit, and came and got us and told us something about him, we would know nothing. He came and told us about it through this vessel, Dr. Kinley. Uh, can we have either one of those scriptures, whichever one you have? All right, 2918 of Proverbs. Which one is that? Proverbs? Yes. Where there, yes, Proverbs 2918. Where there is no vision or prophetic vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, that's a lot right there. It says where there is no vision. See, I wasn't taught about visions. Uh, and then they even said the vision is a law. And if you can keep that law of the vision, you'll be happy. But that takes a lot of explanation, you know. And what's the other scripture? I got numbers 12 and 6 as one of them. Okay. Uh, and here and here he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I Yahweh will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. See, this is and this was not taught, and it's not taught in the world to this day that the creator talks to us by visions and uh and in dreams. That's that's not widely recognized, nor is it taught. And so when Dr. Kinley in the year 1931 came out and said he had this divine vision and revelation and he went about to tell people and tell them what he had gotten. He didn't change it or anything. He told them what the creator told him. And um, and that's how the school was established. And since that 1931, several hundred people have been through these classes listening to this. And what's so amazing, when um, I heard about it in 1987, I knew nothing about this type of school. I only knew about the religious background that I was given by my parents. And as I became an adult, I didn't think there was anything wrong with being a Catholic. So I kind of sort of just stick to that. I was okay. I wasn't looking for anything. But when Dr. Kinley had the vision in 1931, he was given things. He was given um, the name of the creator. You know, and that's why we have this chart. He was first told, I believe, to, you know, make these charts because I also learned in the Bible that the Bible was broken up in three parts. And when the apostles went out to talk, they rolled out parchment. That was those like um, uh, a cloth, which is a parchment. And that's and it, what was written on it were the things that we we're learning, you know, and they would talk about the Messiah. And they, um, they talked about what they call the scriptures, which is the law and the prophets. The scriptures is the first five books of your Bible. And then you had the remaining 34 books, which is the prophets. And that's considered the Old Testament. So when they were walking around talking, they didn't have the New Testament, which is that little leaflet that's in your Bible, which they think consists of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But that's also incorrect. So uh, coming down to the school to learn, there are several things that's incorrect. So I'll just give a brief testimony about what I've learned since coming down here and what has really 
sustain me to stay in class, which is Yahshua, and the knowledge that my creator has a name. Can we get over in Acts where it said there's salvation and no other? And a name was given to a man, um, was given to this man, Moses, at a particular time. Prior to Moses receiving that name, um, our forefathers, such as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they only knew the creator by the title El Shaddai, which is Almighty Provider, because he was providing everything. So why wouldn't he be the Almighty Provider? You know, that's what they knew then. So then the name Yahweh is masculine and feminine right within himself. That's male and female. When I learned that the creator had a name and that his name was masculine and male and female, that took away that Greek sky god concept that I grew up on, which is just a myth. And people don't realize that, you know, uh, I was just thinking about that today because um they have the um, what do you call it? mother nature and father time those type of things that give these genders to these titles, you know. But Yahshua, through this vision that he that was given to Dr. Kinley, I've learned that the Creator's name is Yahweh, He who causes to exist whatever exists. I didn't know the Creator had a name. I thought the title Lord and God were names, and I had to come. And why wouldn't I learn this? This is a school, not a church. So the school corrects what the church is and what the world is teaching. So um, to learn that uh, that's not a name, that Lord is not a name, God is not a name, and the moderator goes through that. So the creator's name in that pure spirit state, which uh, in the moderation said he's incomprehensible and, in and inscrutable. So in that state, um, that's his name in that pure spirit state. But this is such a, in that pure spirit state, then what is Yahweh? In John 4, 24, can someone grab John 4 and 24? Because it tells you what Yahweh is, you know, and um, can you read that? Yes, John 4, 24. Yahweh is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's given a commandment right there. Once you realize that, the name Yahweh and what he is, he's spirit. Then you have to go about to be obedient, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Then you, as time goes on, you realize that's something you as a person, a mere man, you can't do. You need help to worship him in spirit and truth. So then here you have Yahweh in that pure spirit state. And in that state, he has nine. What is spirit? Spirit consists of those attributes. That's what make up spirits, such as intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, beauty, love, justice foundation, power, and strength. That's what spirit is. That's not what he can do. This is this this is his makeup, you know? And so that in that pure spirit state, we were not, I was not born with a spirit detectors. I only have uh, those five uh, minute senses that we have to, you know, smell, see, touch, taste, those type of things. I don't have a spirit detector in me. So then Yahweh knew the he's the creator and the creatures that he made. He wanted them to know about him and to love him and worship him. So he had to make a way to make that happen. So then you realize he's got a purpose. He's got a pattern. He's got a plan of operation. So in that pure spirit state, he takes on shape and form. And it's right here as the word of son. That's the title he gave himself, Yahweh Elohim. And you'll see across the top of this chart, it says Elohim. The archetype, the word archetype means original pattern of the universe. I didn't know anything about a pattern. I didn't know the creator was a pattern. So when he takes on that self, same shape and form, he loses no power when he does that. 
And when we say the law of Yahweh, you must worship him. Something you just mentioned. What scripture was that was just said with the law? Uh, I think it's when you were reading Proverbs or something, or um, um, one of those scriptures that says the law. Well, the, if you're wondering what the law is, when he takes on the shape and form, that's the law right there, Yahweh Elohim. So, yeah, and the title Elohim is masculine and feminine right within himself. Then he goes about having that shape and form. He looks like a man standing on a, a stone. Uh, the earth plane, that's what that little marble looks like to us. And so then when he takes on that shape, shape and form, he gave himself the title of Elohim. Then that self-same spirit and uh, took on that shape and form. He tells you, well, what is this man-like creature you're looking at? He's a pattern that he breaks himself down to be a pattern, which consists of a most holy place, a holy place in the court roundabout. Then he takes that self-same pattern and shows you, well, what does this pattern? What does this pattern do? Everything the creation, he goes about to bring, break down the days of creation. And everything came in a three-form uh, pattern. Everything is done by present, by that pattern. Time is uh, past, present, and future. Everything that exists is, comes in by a pattern. I didn't know that. So then, and that self-same spirit, the last thing that he creates and it shows on the sixth day he created man and he made man last. So man couldn't say, look what God or look what Yahweh and I did. Yahweh did all of this. So and then he goes right back into what he is, a pattern. And that's and then at a point of time, that self-same pattern got into a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, who is our savior. Because um, the whole purpose of learning about all of this is about the saving of a soul. So once you realize there's a pattern operation, you put that pattern on everything. And then when that pattern was placed on my physical body, showing that um, I, I had a physical body within that body, I had a soul. And that soul was governed by universal spirit law, which has got two manifestations of either righteous or unrighteous. So then what I didn't know and what the churches didn't teach me was that my soul was dead. And when we come down and learn about what to learn, what is life and what is death, according to the purpose, according to Yahweh's will, what is that? So we learned a definition of words that we thought we knew, but we really didn't know. So then. Once you understand that there's a salvation needed for a soul, you have to understand, well, how did your soul get into that state of death? Again, this is a school. We cannot, I cannot in 30 minutes go through nearly all the stuff I just went through now. That's why I'm going to stick to that one subject, which is trying to break down Yahweh in that pure spirit state, taking on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, going about to create the days of creation. And then at an appointed time, that self same spirit got in the physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, which means Yahweh is our salvation. And so then, why is that important to me? Because under the prophets, uh, let's get Psalms 19 and 7. I didn't know that there was that my soul was dead. Nor did I know there was a, a way of escape. And this is what the world doesn't teach. They don't teach that if Yahweh's done something, there is a way of escape. He has to just come back and tell you about it and has to be taught to you. I mean, I haven't went through the ages and the dispensation charts, which would deal with time, telling you what all of this was taking place. Just dealing with the basic brings up so many stories. Let's just grab Psalms, though, 19 and 7. Psalms 19 and 7. The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. I'm going to stop you there. 
So it says, the law of Yahweh. Again, the law of Yahweh is when Yahweh takes on a shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. That's the law of Yahweh. That's the only perfection. So what I also had to learn when I came down to the school, this doctrine that we teach, the purpose of Yahweh, it's not going to make you perfect while you're, because as long as you're in a physical body, you're going to need a savior. So for you to come in here and teach, like unlike the world teaches in these churches, they teach these Christians and trying to convince them. But once you give your heart and soul over to them, to Jesus Christ, you become a better person. You become perfect. And nothing but good things will happen to you. We don't teach prosperity down here. We teach about the saving of a soul because you will realize the most important thing that you are should be concerned with is your soul. Why? Because we also preach there is life after death. Some people think, well, when you die, that's the end. No, for us, it's the beginning. See, there's so many wonderful mysteries that are coming out when coming down to a school like this, which I did not know. So I invite everyone to come in with an open heart and an open mind and keep coming back. I mean, some of us, us, some of us have been going to this type of school for years because you can never learn everything. You can never get everything. But what you can do is come down here, bring up bring something to write with, record with, and listen to what's being said. And then play that over and over again until you get it, like it says, till it's proven to you, until you're satisfied. So I'm going to stop there with just the names because that's a great foundation. It allows the next speaker to take it to the next place that Yahweh wants it to be explained about him. Because we also, we just went through this and we're in the process of ending this, what they call the Christmas season. They think they're getting ready to start a new year. There's so many erroneous things that are out there right now. But if you're new, you've come to the right place to get some of the stuff that's been preached to you and taught to you that's incorrect. And this gospel has the power. This vision of Dr. Kinley can change the version that the world is teaching of things that are not accurate. And that's what I like about coming down to this type of school. I've learned things that my parents have said to me, the clergy has said to me, and they were not accurate. So Yahweh doesn't leave you once you realize there's a lie that's been taught to you. The great mystery is that he's got the power to give you the truth now. He replaces the lie with the truth. And that's why it's so important once you get the truth, such as something as simple as the names, you are going to hold fast to that which is good. And that's what I'm holding fast to, which is the truth, which is the gospel. So I hope the next speaker can continue this and elaborate a little more. I'm not going to take up all the time. I'll turn this back to the moderator and I give all praise to the Father. And if you got something or if you didn't get something, you can always come back and ask questions. This is the school. We're not a church. And I'll say hallelujah. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you very much, Dr. Morgan. And at this time, it's a pleasure to call on our next speaker, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Simmons from uh, Springfield, Ohio. Dr. Simmons. Thank you, Ms. Moderator. Um, I'd like to say good evening to everyone. And uh, I'd like to thank you for giving me an opportunity to uh, speak to the brethren and everyone that's uh, gathered here this evening. Uh, I do know and understand that there's no obligation to uh, call upon me or anybody that's visiting. Uh, 
from another school, and it truly is a a, a, a privilege that's extended uh, to uh, us. So uh, thank you for giving me that opportunity, uh, and I did enjoy the thing spoken through the first speaker, and uh, and as the first speaker mentioned, and uh, uh, and talking about the name. Uh, there's truly no other name given uh, whereby we must be saved. And that's what Paul said there in Acts. And truly that salvation is in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And he has to be formed in our heart uh, and in our mind. Uh, if we ever have any hope of glory, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, in him through a knowledge of Yahweh, through his son, Yahshua the Messiah. Uh, as the first speaker also mentioned, being in this uh, season of Christmas or Christ Mass, uh, and talking with different people, I, you know, the world knows that Jesus Christ wasn't born on uh, December the 25th. Uh, you can Google that. And you could come up with all different kind of uh, months and and odd uh, concepts of when he was born. Uh, some say March 25th. Some have him being born in the month of April. You have January the December the 25th, uh, January the 6th, what they call Epiphany, which is the 12 days of Christmas, <laughs> literally the 12 days after Christmas. Uh, so you can find uh, all kind of uh, opinions and theories and concepts about the uh, the birth of Yahshua the Messiah. Um, I'd like to point this out if we could. Uh, when we talk about Yahweh, these are esoteric secrets and mysteries that Yahweh has revealed on us, to us through uh, Dr. Kelly. We had the vision in the year of 1931. Uh, we wouldn't have any idea, a good thought about Yahweh and his purpose, pattern, and plan had he not uh, saw fit to have mercy uh, on us, I speak of myself more in particular. If, if he hadn't have thought to have mercy on me, I wouldn't know him. I wouldn't have a, a testimony to give. And uh, and since he has allowed me to know something about him, then I'm obligated uh, to share with anybody that uh, wants to hear uh, something about Yahweh. Uh, and the love and the, the mercy, the knowledge that he has bestowed upon on us, which we didn't uh, deserve to know. Uh, but it's just the love that he had for us, that he's allowed us to know something about him. And that's what he said over there in Romans uh, first chapter, 19th verse. He said, for that which may be known of Yahweh. See. We can't know everything about him, but it's possible for us to know something about him. And he said, for that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for 
Yahweh has showed it unto them. Now he's talking about the children of Israel. But when he gave Dr. Kelly this divine vision of revelation in the year of 1931, then it's through that divine vision of revelation that he showed it unto us, that he's revealed it, uh, this esoteric mysteries and secrets unto the world. See, through that divine vision of revelation. So he's showing it unto us for the invisible things of Yahweh. See, what are the invisible things of Yahweh? That's already been mentioned. Yahweh is spirit. So we can't see him. We can't taste, touch, smell, uh, feel him. He's spirit. Spirit is inscrutable. It's incomprehensible. It's indiscernible. Spirit is beyond finding out. That's Yahweh. We can't figure him out. We can't study upon him. He's beyond finding out. But Paul said it's possible to know something about this invisible Yahweh. For that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world he said they are clearly seen. How can you see something invisible clearly? We've had that conversation many times, call it a oxymoron. How can you see something invisible clearly? But the invisible things of him, he said, they are clearly seen. Well, how can we see the invisible things of Yahweh clearly? He said, they are understood by the things that are made. If we want to know something about the invisible Yahweh, he said, look at the natural things. Look at the physical things that are made. So we can understand something about his eternal power. What do you mean his eternal power? His ability to come from pure spirit, take on shape and form, manifest in the flesh. See, take that physical body off, go right back to that pure spirit state, see, and right, right on back into that spirit uh, state of existence, see, and everything in the universe abides within that, within that pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. So we can know something about his uh, supernal nature. Uh, see, we can know something about uh, uh, the Yahhead or the uh, the Godhead, uh, as is written in the King James Bible, uh, we can know something about him as he really is and as he actually exists. And this is how we can know something about him. See, if you can read Matthew uh, eleven twenty seven for me, I believe. Matthew eleven and twenty seven. So. All things, all things are delivered unto me by my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father except the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Thank you. So Yahshua said, "All things have been delivered unto him of his Father." See, and that means he's the Son, and Yahweh is the Father. All things have been delivered unto me of my father. And no man knows the father except the son. Or excuse me, no man knows the son except the father. And don't no man know the father except the son. 
and to whosoever the Son reveals him. So this invisible, this inscrutable, this incomprehensible, this indiscernible Yahweh is possible to know something about him. See, we can't figure it out. We can't study upon it. We can't read upon it. See, but the son's job, his responsibility is to reveal the father to you and I. That's the only way we're going to know something about him is that the son reveals him. See, now let me have, if you will, um, uh, let's see. Um, I want to say, not Micah. Oh, um, yeah, get Micah, Micah, the fifth chapter. Get Revelations, the uh, 314. Now, Yahweh gave a promise, promise to Abraham. He said, no of a surety that that seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve and be afflicted for 400 years. He said, after 400 years, I'm going to come down and judge that nation to which they serve. And after I judge that nation, I'm going to bring them, bring them up out of that land into their own land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that was the promise that Yahweh gave to Abraham. And that came to pass, see, 400 years after that promise was given to Abraham. That 400th year after promise was given to Abraham just happened to be 10 years after Moses fled up out of the land of Egypt. 10 years after he fled up out of the land of Egypt. See, the promise was given to Abraham in the year 427, if you do the math on it. That's when the promise was given to Abraham. See, then 400 years later, Yahweh appears down in the land of Egypt. See, that's the year 827. He appears down in the land of, land of Egypt. 30 years later, he brings Israel up out of the land of Egypt. That's the year 857. That's 857 years after uh, the flood. Ten years before that, uh, 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 well, not ten years before that. Let me uh, let that go. So many things run through my mind. When Moses fled up out of the land of Egypt, see, uh, 30 years after he fled up out of Egypt, 10 years later, Yahshua appeared down in the land of Egypt. He, when he appeared down in the land of Egypt, he walked over the land of Egypt, but looked over Israel's burdens for some 30 years. And he appeared under Moses at the end of that 30 year. He caused Moses to have a vision and a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And he told Moses, I've surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. And he said, I am come down to deliver them. Well, Yahweh, where are you coming down from? See, he's not coming from above the sun, moon, and the stars as I thought as I was growing up that God is up above the sun, moon, and the stars. That's where he live at. But where Yahweh 
cunt came from, he came from his pure spirit state of existence. He took on shape and form, as you see there on the Moses chart. See, that cloud represents Yahweh and his pure spirit state of existence. And then what Yahweh did, it takes on shape and form right within himself. All those divine attributes that are written in that cloud, intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. Those in those invisible attributes, they take on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. See, the word or son, that's what that white light is showing there as Moses is laying on the ground and those 70 men on the plateau of the mountain. See, that's showing that those men are having a vision. And in their vision, they see Yahweh Elohim. See, now that's Yahweh who is pure spirit, taking on shape and form right within himself. That's the son in the bosom of the father. That's what the cloud represents. It represents Yahweh in his pure spirit state of existence. And Yahweh takes on that super incorporeal form. That super incorporeal form is known as the word of Yahweh. It is also expressed as the son of Yahweh. See? Now, John wrote it this way in Revelation 3.14. If you would read that, please. Okay. 3.14. I, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodosians, write, these things saith the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of Yahweh. Thank you. Now, Dr. Kinley said, and this is where he got it from, see, when he takes on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, that is the beginning of the creation of Yahweh. That's Yahweh taking on shape and form right within himself. Or that's Yahweh taking on shape and form right within the realm of eternity. That's the beginning of the creation of Yahweh. He said that's the only thing that Yahweh created was the shape and the form. Then he went out of the business of creating. And it was in that and it was in that shape and form that Yahweh created the heavens and the earth. Now, if that's Yahweh taking on shape and form in the realm of eternity, and that shape and form is known as the word of Yahweh, that is known as the son of Yahweh. And Paul said, by him, all things were created. Now, if that's true, how are you going to put a birth date on that? When was he born? See, you can't put a birth date on the son of Yahweh. He was created in the realm of eternity. Before time, before the sun, moon, and the stars, he put them in the sky. He created them in that shape and form. See, Proverbs 8 and 20, please. See, he said this through the prophet. He said, Yahweh possessed me in the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I was set up from everlasting. From the beginning, before ever the earth was. Read, please. Proverbs 8 and 20. 
I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. See, now that's what we want to do. See, those that love Yahweh, he's going to cause them to inherit substance. See, now he's not talking about gold and silver. See, and precious stones. See, those are the only types in the shadows. The precious substance, see, is the Holy Spirit of Yahshua taking on shape and form in you. Are those attributes, see, that are manifested everything in the creation being manifested in you and in me in righteousness. See, that's the substance. That's the inheritance that we want. Read. Verse 22, Yahweh possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. Mm -hmm. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning. If set up from everlasting, right from the beginning, how are you going to put a birth date on that? Read. Or ever the earth was. See, before the earth ever was. Go ahead. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. Mm -hmm. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. Brought forth from where? From Mary? See, no, that's him taking on shape and form right within the bosom of the Father. See? That's him being brought forth. That's the beginning of the creation of Yahweh. See, read on. While as yet he had not made the earth. And he made the earth yet. Nor the fields. Nor the fields. Nor the highest part of the dust of the world. Hadn't been created yet. Read. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. Right. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight. One brought up with him. See, and I was daily his delight. See, now that's the son of Yahweh. That's the word of Yahweh. You can't put a birthday on that. See, now when he created this heaven creation, see, and he made that man Adam, see, and he gave that man a commandment, see, not to touch the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. See, and look, and when he made that man, he made him in his likeness to this image. And he gave him that commandment, and I'm just kind of getting ahead a little bit in this here. He gave him a commandment, see, not to touch the fruit of the tree, which was in the midst of the garden, for on the day that you touch it, you will surely die. See, now Paul wrote this in Acts, the 17th chapter, I think it is, uh, maybe 1724. And when Adam touched that tree, he died instantaneously in his conscience. See, now read Acts 1724. Four for me. Okay. Yahweh, who made the world and all things in it, and, seeing and, that, seeing he is ruler of heaven and earth, 
dwelleth not in temples made with hands. See, now neither is neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. See, we're talking about an eternal being created in the realm of eternity. See, that's the beginning of the creation of Yahweh. This is the word. This is the son of Yahweh that we're talking about. Read. That they should seek Yahweh, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he is not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. See, now look, we are his offspring. See, he created you and I. We came forth from him. Adam came forth from him. See, and because Yahweh so loved us, as John said, he gave his only begotten son. So since the creation came forth from him, see, then what Yahweh did, see, he died for it. See, his creatures. In other words, I'm trying to express that what Yahweh did, he took responsibility for it. See, for his creation. See, he created the man. See, the man was disobedient. See, Yahweh just didn't destroy the man, but he took responsibility from the man. See, uh, uh, Paul said, we are his offspring. We sprang off from him. So just like we have uh, our children from a natural standpoint, or we are children ourselves that came forth from our parents. See, we're their offspring. See, and, and when we come forth from them, then they have an instinctual, philoprogenitiveness to care for, to protect, to provide for their offspring. See, up until a certain time in life, they take that responsibility on themselves. See, so since we sprang off from him, then what Yahweh did, he took responsibility for you and I. See, when Adam partook of the fruit of that tree, he was disobedient. See, he didn't just condemn the man to the ground, but he took responsibility for it, for the man. And he came in. <laughs> Give me a uh, Micah and 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 and, and uh, uh, John, and then we'll go back to Exodus. John said it this way. John said, in the beginning was the word. The word was with Yahweh. And the word was Yahweh. See, that's the word and the son. They're one and the same. The same was in the beginning with him. All things were made by him. But without him was not anything made that was made. In him is life. And that life is the light of man. See, then you go on down to about the 14th verse. And it says, then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. See, now we got Yahweh coming from pure spirit, taking on shape and form. Now he's in a physical body. And the reason he's in the physical body, because he has to fulfill the scriptures. That's what he come in to do. See, and fulfilling the scriptures. See, then what he's doing and doing that. See, then he's fulfilling his will. He's fulfilling his purpose. See, Micah 5 and 1. Micah 5 and 1. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. 
he hath laid siege against you. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. So now didn't that happen? See, when Yahshua came in and for, to fulfill the scriptures, and they brought him to the judgment hall, stood between Pilate and, 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 and Herod, and they couldn't find no fault in him. See, they planted a crown of thorns on his head. See, and they took that reed and they hit him upside the head with it. See, and you read that, I think, somewhere around the 26th chapter of Matthew there about. Uh, so here the, the prophecy, see, saying they're going to smite him with the rod. Read. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, thou, that, that, thou that, be little. See, Ephratah means fruitful. See, and I believe in my research, I said, found out there were two different Bethlehems. See, and we're talking about Bethlehem Ephratah. See, just the same as he said when he called Lazarus from the grave, he said, Lazarus of Bethlehem, he just said Lazarus. See, anybody named Lazarus would have got up, but they had to identify the one he was talking about. Lazarus of Bethany come forth. So we're talking about Yahshua of, of, of Bethlehem Ephratah. See, he's the first fruit of them that's going to raise from the grave. Read, please. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. See, now though, see, is little among the thousands of Judah. That's where it comes forth, the tribe of Judah. Go ahead. Yet out of thee shall become forth unto me that Yet is to be ruled. Forth unto me that shall be what? Ruler in Israel. See, that shall be ruler in Israel. He's talking about this Yahshua the Messiah that's going to come to the loins of Mary. Read. Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Whose going forth has been from old, has been from everlasting. Again, how are you going to put a birth date on that? See, you can't do it. <laughs> you see, until we understand what Yahshua will come in the world to do. See, come in the world to come in the world to fulfill the law and the prophets, and that's when the promise uh, 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 that's when he appeared unto Mary and told her, "Hey, you know, don't be afraid." See, but the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you, and that you're going to conceive of in the womb shall be of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've un didn't learn until I come into this school; didn't have need to know about it. A woman don't conceive in a womb. She conceives in her But he's going to take on shape and form right within her womb. And it's not going to be Joseph's. See, neither is it going to be Mary's over. See, but it's going to be Yahweh taking on shape and form. See, right within her womb. See, that's him coming from of old. <laughs> Who's coming forth is from old, even from eternity. See, so he's got to take on shape and form in Mary's womb. See, now when Moses, when they're down the land of Egypt, I've surely seen the face of my people, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows. He said, I am come down to deliver them. And in that 400th year of that promise, Yahweh appeared down in the land of Egypt and looked over Israel's burdens for some 30 years. And at the end of that 30 years, see, that 
30 years is likened unto three days. See, that he's buried down there in the land of Egypt. And at the end of those three days, see, all that 30 years, he's got to come up. He's got to resurrect the body of Egypt. Egypt represents death. It represents the hell. It represents the grave. See, and he's got to come up out of Egypt. See, when he come up out of Egypt, see, he's bringing Abraham's seed up out of the land of Egypt with him. See, and they're going to come up through the heaped up waters of the Red Sea and come on into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, to point this out along the way, see, when they come up out of Egypt, see, and go to and through the heaped up waters of the Red Sea, see, that water rolls up in a heap. See, and Israel entered into that tunnel, see, on dry ground. And when they come up out of Egypt, Joseph told them, he said, I die and Elohim will surely visit you. He said, and when he bring you up out of Egypt, he said, bring my bones with you. See, don't leave me buried down in Egypt. Bring my bones with you. See, and when they come up out of Egypt, Moses had to jump the bones of Joseph with him. And as they enter to the Red Sea, see the Red Sea, see that's representing a, a grave. See, it rose up into like a, a tunnel-like effect. See, and Israel, they're dead in their conscience. They got Joseph's bones with them. See, so when they enter that Red Sea, see, now that's a burial. See, Joseph was buried in Egypt. Now he's buried in the Red Sea. That becomes Joseph's new tomb. And Yahshua, who's leading them up out of Egypt, he's being buried in Joseph's new tomb. And Israel, in the fulfillment, see, they had to all be baptized, see, by John, see, before Yahshua was crucified out there on the cross. Well, why was that? Because that's showing that they are being baptized into his death. So here all Israel come up out of the land of Egypt, see, and they're being baptized or buried in the Red Sea, and Yahshua is right there with them. And Paul said they've been baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So, and Yahshua was with them. So they're being buried in the likeness of his death. That they may be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You see, that's why they had to be baptized, see, before Yahshua was crucified out there on the cross. Because once he's crucified out there on the cross, it's too late to be baptized. Because when he raises from the grave, see, he's no longer dead. You can't be baptized until his death. So you got to be baptized until his death before he's crucified. And when he raises from the grave, see, John wrote, or, Paul, or Matthew wrote in there, he said, many of the sons that slept in the heart of the earth, they arose and went into Jerusalem with him. So after they're baptized with Moses in the cloud and in the sea, saying Yahshua is right there with them, and they're baptized in Joseph's new tomb with him. See, then when he comes up out of that Red Sea into the wilderness, see, then that's like that's a likener to them being resurrected in a newness of life because now they got to go to Mount Sinai where they're going to receive a law from Yahweh. John wrote about it in Revelation. He said he saw New Jerusalem coming down from heaven. See, so here they are entering to the wilderness, and Moses goes up to the top of Mount Sinai. That's where Moses receives these tables of stone. See, now we're right around the 19th chapter of Exodus when they come up out of the Red Sea and enter into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, get Exodus 19 and 1, please. 
In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, what was that? We couldn't have answered this question if it had not been had not been for the, the vision. He said, in the third month, the same day came the children of Israel into the wilderness of Sinai. What month is that? See, we would automatically think, well, January is the first month, February, March, they entered into the wilderness. Now, that's not so. See, now we understand that there was a, uh, we have the Gregorian calendar is what we look at. And we're not wrong to say March is the third month, but we're not looking at time with man. We have to look at, we understand now we have to see time with Yahweh. See. Yahweh established the sacred calendar with Israel. And when we read Exodus, the 12th chapter, when they are delivered up out of the land of Egypt, as they eat in the Passover feast, Yahweh told them, this month shall be the beginning of months to you. It shall be the first month of the year. And you go over to the 13th chapter of Exodus, and it'll tell you there, this day came ye out in the month Abed. Abib corresponds to the English month of April. It's the English month of April being the fourth month of the year. But with the Israelites, the Jews, Abib is the first month of the year that Yahweh established with Israel. Now, this is the sacred calendar that Yahweh established, whatever month of the year was at that time, Yahweh said, this month shall be the beginning of months, the first month of the year to you. He was talking to Israel. He was talking to the Jews. And that month was Abib, see, or Nisan, which corresponds to the Gregorian calendar's month of April. So now that we know that According to the Bible, April is the first month of the year. Then we can go back to Exodus, the 19th chapter. And when it says in the third month, the same day the children of Israel come up out of Egypt. Now, that third month, April is the first month. May is the second month. Then June would be the third month. He said the same day came they out of uh, came they into the wilderness. So that's the third month, the same day, the third day. That's June the 3rd, that Israel is into the wilderness and gathers around Mount Sinai. Now, I'm, 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 I know I don't have a lot of time, so I'm, I'm going to just uh, quote these things as I go, and, and hopefully I can tell you where we're reading at. Now, right now, we're in the 19th chapter of Exodus. See, now in the 19th chapter of Exodus, the third month, the same day is June the 3rd. Then Yahweh gave Moses in that same chapter, he said, give them three days to clean up. Don't come at their wives. And on that third day, I'm going to come down in a cloud and speak a law to them from Mount Sinai. Now, three days later, when that cloud comes down on the mountain, gives us, takes us to June the 6th. That's when the law was spoken from Mount Sinai on June 6th. Now, when the law spoke from Mount Sinai and Israel said, all the Yahweh said we will do. Moses built an altar, offered up sacrifice, sprinkled the people with blood. See, 
Then Yahweh called Moses up into the mountain. See, it was six days later, June the 12th, six days after the law was spoken, Moses goes up to the top of Mount Sinai, the 24th chapter of Exodus. And it takes with him Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and, and the 70 elders of Israel. See, that we see that on, a, on the Moses chart. See, and on a plateau of the mountain is where Moses and the elders are. The Israelites, they were at the bottom of the mountain. See, mounds had been set there, so they couldn't touch that mountain. See, and on that plateau of the mountain, they all had a vision of Yahweh on him. See, while on the plateau of the mountain. See, that's what that white light is showing. See, that they're having a vision there. Now, those men didn't understand that vision. They were told to stay right there on the plateau until we come again. See, then Moses and Joshua goes on up into the cloud-covered mountain. And it's there that Moses, command, Moses is commanded to lay his body on the ground. See, and when he lays his body on the ground, then Yahweh causes Moses to have a vision. See, and you see right there in the cloud, panoramic vision unto Moses. Uh, see, that was given to those elders as well. See, in 1490 there. See, Moses' body laid on the ground and Yahweh commune with him. See, and then Moses' vision. This is this is Moses' uh, second time up to the top of the mountain. See, the first time he was told to set the bounds around it and have the people clean up and Yahweh would speak to them in three days. Now, on the second trip up, see, then he sees Yahweh Elohim transfigure into this threefold tabernacle pattern. See, then he sees Yahweh Elohim transfigure into the days of the creation. See, so when Moses is the 24th chapter of Exodus, let's get that real quick. Exodus 24, 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a pavework of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. And Yahweh Elohim said unto Moses, come up to me into the mount and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up. Keep going. Yes. The and 15th verse. To the 15th. Okay. And, and Moses rose up and his servant Joshua and Moses went up to the Mount of Yahweh. And he said unto the elders, tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold. Pardon me? Are you reading the 15th verse? Oh, I thought you said down to 15. I apologize. Um, and Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. So now Moses goes up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Read. And the glory of Yahweh abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. Now, I said from the beginning, see, what, the things that we're talking about are the the esoteric secrets and mysteries of Yahweh that we wouldn't have, wouldn't have known anything about until Yahweh gave Dr. Kenley this divine vision and revelation. See, now he said that cloud, the glory of Yahweh abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered the mountain for six days. Now behind that six days in most Bible, there's a colon behind that six days. And that means that something to explain what went on during those six days. See, and Dr. Kinley said that that's where 
Genesis 1 and 1 goes behind that colon. And he went on to explain, see, Moses didn't have the vision until he exited up out of the land of Egypt. He didn't receive instructions to build the tabernacle until after he came out of the land of Egypt. So he was expressing that the Exodus came before the Genesis. See, we think Genesis is the first book of the Bible, but the Genesis is the genealogies of man. You can't have a genealogy before you have the Exodus. And he expressed that, see, when a woman gives birth to a child. See, when she's pregnant for nine months, see, that child is not counted as a, as a generation. You can't add it to the genealogy until after the child is born or exits the womb. And once he exits the womb, then you can count the generation or the genealogy. So Moses don't see the cre can't don't see the creation or the generations of mankind until after they come up out of the land of Egypt. So the Exodus was before the Genesis. So Exodus, the, the first chapter of Genesis, goes behind that colon in the 24th chapter of Exodus. It said the cloud covered the mountain for six days. Well, what went on during those six days? See, but well, that's where Genesis 1 and 1 goes. So in the beginning, King James says God created the heavens and the earth. Dr. Kelly corrected it. He said, no, that's incorrect. That's not the beginning of the creation. What man was co-eternal or pre-existent with Yahweh to say what he did at the beginning. He said, what you're reading about is the beginning of Moses' vision when he was in the top of Mount Sinai. That's the correct way that that should be read. In the beginning of Moses' vision, he saw Yahweh Elohim create the heavens and the earth. Seeing the earth was without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the ward. See, and he went on to explain, he said, that's like to Mary, see, where he said that angel is going to overshadow you and that what you're going to conceive of is the Holy Spirit. So then when you read in Genesis, it said the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the deep. See, well, what is he doing? He's impregnating Mother Earth. See, with the seed of life. See, Mother Earth is in her virgin estate. See, never had brought forth a man child before. And that's what the prophet Isaiah goes on to say, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. So here Moses is writing about this in the, gene the genealogy of his of the creation in, in his vision. See, so he says on the first, he tells you what happened on the first day of his vision. And the evening and the morning was the first day. And the evening and the morning was the second day. The evening and the morning was the third day. On down to the sixth day. See, and on the sixth day of Moses' vision, while he's in the top of Mount Sinai, when is he up there? In the month of June. In the third month, Dr. Simmons, did we lose you? See, in the realm of eternity, there's no time. See, right. in the realm of eternity. But Moses is having a vision up there. And on the sixth day of Moses' vision. Five minutes, Dr. Simmons. Yes, sir. 
on the sixth day of Moses' vision, in the month of June, Moses sees Yahweh Elohim create a man from the dust of the ground and call his name Adam. So according to Moses' vision, he saw Adam created from the dust of the ground on June. Dr. Simmons, I think we're having trouble with your mic. Dr. Simmons, I think Are we're you? having we're having trouble with your with your mic. Oh, okay. You um, coming in and out? Well, if, if if you hear me, okay. Now we Still. can. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I I did hear I did hear I uh, got about got about three minutes, but I wanted okay. to point according to Moses' vision. See, he sees Adam created from the dust of the ground on the sixth day of his vision. See, and that's what Yahshua the Messiah has to come in and see and fulfill that. And look, when he sees the man Adam created from the dust of the ground, see, on uh, in his vision, see, he sees the man Adam created. He's created outside of the garden. See, and then once he formed the man Adam from the dust of the ground, and breathe the breath of life into me, and he becomes a living soul. Then what Yahweh does, he takes the man Adam and put him in the garden. And when he put him in the garden, then he brings all the animals to Adam for Adam to name them. So Adam is placed in the garden amongst the animals, see, on June 6th, according to his vision. And whatever Adam named them, that's what their name was. So when Yahshua comes into the world, as Micah said, see, uh, 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 he's who's coming forth is from old and shall be the uh, ruler, see, of the world, see, or the kingdom, see. Then that's Adam showing how Adam he placed in amongst the animals. Then Yahshua, when he comes through the loins of Virgin Mary, see, and look at when Adam created from the dust of the ground, see, he's created from the dust before Satan ever enters into the earth plane. See, Satan is in the ethereal darkness that surrounds the unfinished earth plane. See, so Adam is taken from the dust of the ground before Satan enters into, and that shows that Adam, see, he was taken from virgin mother earth. If Satan had entered the earth plane before Adam was taken from the ground, then mother earth would not have been a virgin. See, Satan, very presence, see, it, 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 it's sin. It, it's, it's, it corrupts it. See, so Adam has to be taken from the ground and placed in the garden before Satan enters into the earth plane. So then when Joshua comes into the world, see that a virgin had to conceive and bring forth a son. They said, thou shalt call his name Joshua, see, for he shall save his people from their sin. And that's what he came in to do, to fulfill the law and the prophets and to bring life and immortality and light to light so that we can learn something of him, see, as he really is and actually exists. And when that's done, then we can give the glory and honor to him for what he's done for us that what we couldn't do for ourselves, which he so richly deserved. Thank you for giving me a few minutes to talk to the, uh, uh, to the, to the brethren uh, to share my testimony, and I turn it back over to the moderator. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Dr. Simmons. You enjoyed that. And for our final speaker, it's a pleasure to call on Dr. Diane Emler from our Oceanside, California class. Dr. Emler? She's coming. Okay. Good evening, everyone. Um, Good evening. It, it's my uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, we'll see how long I am up here. Um, I've had some medication changes mm -hmm. and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and, <clears throat> Uh, physically, I'm not at my best, and my throat is already starting to give way. <clears throat> um, let's go over to uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter. Now, we here in the United States uh, follow the, the Gregorian calendar. Um, and according to uh, that calendar, uh, January 1st, is the first month of the year. Uh, that's already been pulled out tonight that uh, according to the calendar that uh, Yahweh gave to uh, Israel. And uh, if you have an understanding um, of a prophetic calendar, uh, then you have to understand uh, that just as uh, the world has Jesus Christ being born on December 25th. And um, they, I think, and I haven't looked in a long time, so you're going to have to check this out. I think they believe that John the Baptist was born in January. Uh, either way, they... You have to understand, uh, and we have gone through this past couple weeks, that um, uh, Yahshua's purpose for coming uh, into a specially prepared body and walking amongst his creation. Uh, and he came to fulfill the law and the prophets uh, 
which is the Old Testament of your book, uh, and to fulfill the um, covenant that was given to Israel at Mount Sinai some 1,500 years before uh, Jesus, properly Yahshua, uh, came in that sacrificial body. Uh, Israel could not keep that law. Uh, and then according to the law, if you broke the law, uh, uh, if you broke even one law, in uh, Peter it says that you've broken it all. And if you break even one law, you're guilty of all. And the penalty for many of the uh, uh, sins that Israel committed was death. My point being that when John the Baptist immersed Israel in water, it was, as it's been said, it was a baptism unto repentance. So what they needed was uh, John would ask, have you sinned? And uh, if they admitted that they were sinners, then they admitted their spiritual deaths. And what do you do? Uh, with someone that's dead, but bury them. And so they were uh, immersed into physical water, and that was the type of a burial. But nothing could happen past that point until Yahshua finished fulfilling the law and the prophets in ending that Mosaic covenant. And the Mosaic covenant contained physical water baptisms and ceremonies and sacrifices uh, and a physical priesthood and prayer, all these things that are so familiar to Christianity uh, because the mystery of iniquity, the opposer, uh, just brought those physical laws over uh, on this side unto a new covenant. And the new covenant, according to uh, uh, Ezekiel 36 and uh, Jeremiah 31 and elsewhere, that this new covenant would not be physical or fleshly, but it had to be spiritual. Because that which is fleshly or that which is carnal is enmity against Yahweh. But spiritually, that's unto life and peace. So 
there was a whole lot that went on when Yahshua walked the Palestinian hills. Now, he could not be born in December because the earth plane is showing forth a death and a burial in December. All the leaves have fallen off the trees. It's cold. Uh, you're beginning to experience either snow or a rainy season, that was uh, a period of death. And yet Yahshua came in uh, to redeem us from that law and to usher in a new covenant that we uh, might come into a spiritual covenant, which is life. So John has to be born in December, and Yahshua has to be born in June because the creation uh, is reflecting their purpose. Uh, and that's the way the entire creation um, uh, operates. Uh, and now we're down here to uh, what they call New Year's. Well, why would you have a new year begin in the middle of death? It's not the, the new year should be in April or showing forth the spring or the resurrection of something new, not the celebration of dead leaves and uh, no fruit on the trees. And uh, it just shows that death in that burial because the physical creation shows forth uh, uh, Yahweh, and you cannot get away from that. You cannot manipulate that. You can interpret uh, uh, the Bible and, uh, and talk about things the way that you think they should be, but you cannot change or translate this physical creation. And that's why it's so important for us to understand that to prove his existence, that Bible was written, uh, the Old and the New Testament, but also the physical creation was created to show forth his purpose uh, and his plan. So go over and get me Psalms, the 19th division. And I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to continue. So this is going to be my uh, last. Uh, verse. I apologize. 
there's nothing more I would rather be doing other than not feeling well. Uh, but, you know, there's plenty of people that Yahweh has prepared to preach this gospel. So uh, whoever has it, Psalms 19. And one. Yes. The heavens declare the glory of Elohim, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Now the firmament and the heavens declare his glory. You know, there's uh, uh, have these telescopes now, uh, the web telescope, which is so advanced in the pictures that they're getting from this telescope. And uh, they even now believe or they're leaning towards the fact that because of very recent discoveries that they don't think that the creation began in the Big Bang. And we're constantly learning. But your Bible talks about constantly learning and never coming into an understanding. You can quote verses. You can do blood, water, spirit, 40, but you have to understand that Yahshua is your life. And without him, there is no life. There is no breath. There is nothing without him. And we can't divide our time up between physical and fleshly and think that, you know, One's as good as another. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things I'd like to do in this physical creation, and I do them. But that is not a priority in my life. When it comes to my deathbed, I'm not going to think about the beautiful sunset that I saw here in California when we moved. I'm not going to be thinking about a sunset. I'm going to be thinking about the sun and the whole creation is showing forth his nature. And I don't want to just keep talking and take up time. So I'd like to turn it over to a moderator and then another speaker now. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Emler. Um, at this time, it's a pleasure to call on Dr. Carl Emler to finish up our class. Uh, uh, I'd like to try to um, synthesize together uh, the things that have been taught so far uh, with something that I've been shown uh, in the physical creation, if I can. Uh, primarily, this whole idea of the birth of the Messiah and Christmas and uh, all of the ways that man has devised in order 
to try to understand the things that they see with their natural eyes. Uh, in all of this, uh, they are lacking an understanding of the operation of God or Yahweh's purpose. And most people don't even think about God or Yahweh or the Lord having a purpose. Most people try to think about what their purpose is. Why am I here? What did God do for me? And they never really try to reflect on what Yahweh's purpose is. And Yahweh's purpose is hidden in the mystery. And the mystery that Yahweh's purpose is hidden in is spirit. Uh, people uh, are not aware of spirit. Uh, they are not taught to be spiritual, uh, and they are um, uh, taught to look at the flesh, the wafer and the juice and the bowing their physical knees and how well can this one sing or that one sing and repetitive uh, back and forth uh, chants to the minister or priest in such a way that it's just a memorized uh, vain repetition. And everything has to do with the eyes that they can see with and the ears that they can hear with. And yet, uh, Yahweh, we learned, and, and Jeffrey is, uh, Simmons has spoken uh, eloquently about this, that Yahweh uh, is spirit. Uh, and no man has seen Yahweh at any time. A read in John, uh, the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So in John, uh, is that 424 or 118? 118. John 118, I just quoted. John 118 uh, talks about the Father and the Son. And Jeffrey spoke about this uh, Father and Son. The world has the Father and Son in this way. The Father is an old man sitting on a throne up above sun, moon, and stars, the son is a younger guy next to him whom the father sends down to earth and winds up getting uh, nailed to a cross. And this is pretty much uh, the father and son relationship that the world has. Uh, again, they have uh, Yahweh, the father, depicted as a man, uh, an old man, because that's all they've ever seen are men. They've never seen spirit, and they can't conceive of spirit, and no man can conceive of spirit unless Yahweh uh, reveals spirit to a man, which is why, uh, as Jeffrey had quoted in Proverbs, uh, uh, without a, or it was either Rochelle or, or Jeffrey, without a prophetic vision, the people perish. You have to have a vision a prophetic vision and prof to pro prophesy means to tell of events to come. And this vision uh, has to be a prophetic vision. Uh, and uh, this uh, vision that Moses received at the top of Mount Sinai was a prophetic vision. It was a vision that declared Yahweh's purpose, which had not yet been brought to fruition in the flesh but had been brought to fruition in the vision to Moses. And the one of the ways that you can understand that is through these uh, seven days of creation. And each one of these days of creation is correlated to an age and dispensation of Yahweh's purpose 
down from the beginning until the end, and we can't don't have the time to go into that. But uh, all of these things that Moses saw uh, uh, declare uh, Yahweh's purpose. And uh, so let me do this real quick. I want to go to uh, Proverbs uh, 30, I think it is. Uh, let me get there. Um, let's see here. I'm going to uh, I'm going to start at four. But if you read uh, into this, it's talking about uh, a man. Surely I'm more brutish than any man. I'm just going to quote this because there isn't time to search for these things and go through these things. I'm going to quote it and interrupt myself, I guess, is the best way to put it. Surely I am more brutish than any man and have not under have not the understanding of a man. Uh, neither learned wisdom nor have any knowledge of the holy. And then, so this man who is uh, humbly stating his uh, state of not understanding anything about uh, God or Yahweh, which the world has failed to do that. The world, instead of uh, admitting they don't understand anything at all about Yahweh, has created an entire scenario. And then through uh, this declaration to the world, they've created uh, countless people following this uh, created concept of a God. And, and that is the definition of a cult, is that uh, something is believed by masses of people uh, based on something that they can see and you can't turn them away from it. And that's the whole world is uh, involved in this cult of God that has not been proven, and they don't believe it can be proven. This person uh, uh, is humbly um, stating that he's neither learned wisdom, doesn't have the knowledge of the holy, and then he asks this question. And remember, this question was given to this man, this whole uh, attitude we're reading about in Proverbs was given to this um, by Yahweh himself in order for Yahweh to make himself known. And so he says, who has ascended up into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? So uh, now we normally uh, think of this as the creator, obviously, doing all these things. Uh, and, uh, and it says here, what is his name and what is his son's name, if you can tell? So this creator who's done this gathering, who's done this bounding, who's done this establishing of the ends of the earth, this is the father. This is Yahweh. And uh, uh, Jeffrey Simmons spoke to this. And if you look on this chart, uh, and this, came, this comes from, uh, and I'll just refer back to Proverbs Eight and twenty-four uh, and 28, Proverbs eight and twenty-two, but this chart depicts the unity of the supernal nature, and the world is not aware of how this operates because this is uh, integral to the purpose of Yahweh. And here's how: Yahweh, pure spirit, the Father, from which everything emanates from and returns to. This pure spirit depicted on this chart has the words intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, beauty, love, justice, foundation, power, and strength. And these are to uh, describe what we call attributes. 
These are invisible principles capable of bringing forth the creation. This is Yahweh pure spirit in his invisible, unknowable, inscrutable uh, state. And in this inscrutable state, Yahweh himself, the father, formulated the entire purpose from beginning to end. And this is where the, the apostles, uh, uh, etc., come up with the idea or the the, the principle, rather, and I should say, of predestination. Yahweh formulated within himself the entire purpose from beginning to end. In this formulation, he has uh, gathered the winds in his fists and has bounded the waters in the garment. And if you go to uh, Proverbs 8, uh, I'll do that real quick, uh, and 22, um, uh, this is Yahweh Elohim speaking, and this is before anybody was created to even know that such a thing as a Yahweh Elohim existed. But what Yahweh did after he formulated the entire purpose within himself, he brought forth this shape and form called uh, to be called Yahweh Elohim, which is the archetype original. This is the original pattern of the universe, and it's a universe because when Yahweh formulated the purpose within himself, it, was, uh, it wasn't a sequential operation. He thought it, and it was. It was a universe right within himself. That's how eternity is described. No beginning and no end. Not a sequence of events going through eternity, but eternity is it is a place where it is. And Yahweh, the name means to be, that is to say, is. And this purpose was formulated in pure spirit. And uh, and so in Proverbs 8 and 22, we have Yahweh Elohim saying, Yahweh possessed me in the beginning of his, Yahweh's way, before his, Yahweh's works of old. I was set up from everlasting and from the beginning before the earth was, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no foundations. So this uh, Yahweh Elohim is speaking the purpose in this chapter of Proverbs, uh, letting you know that this shape and form contains or is the very knowledge of the purpose of Yahweh. It is actually Yahweh himself, his expressed purpose in a, a way that man can see through visions. That's why without a prophetic vision, uh, people perish, because without this, all you have as far as Yahweh pure spirit is concerned is this inscrutable, uh, undiscernible, uh, pure abstract state. And Yahweh is that state to us before we have a vision. It is not the state that Yahweh is. Yahweh isn't in some kind of an abstract, inscrutable state within himself. Yahweh knows exactly who he is, how he is, what he thinks, what he's like, what his nature is, what he's capable of doing. He's the end and the beginning of all that there is right there in that spirit. And in order for any uh, explanation of that to be made manifest, this Yahweh has to take on a form that can be communicable to man. And in this case, it is Elohim, we call it. But in fact, it is not Elohim. It is Yahweh Elohim, because that is Yahweh 
in that shape and form. It's not Yahweh in pure spirit and then the shape and form in Yahweh pure spirit next to him as though it's not Yahweh, but some other form. This is what Christianity Christianity has in the uh, 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 Trinity. But this Yahweh in this particular, that's Yahweh now in that shape and form. And so therefore, when Dr. Kinley talks about Yahweh went out of the creating business, the understanding of that is that Yahweh brought forth this uh, Yahweh Elohim, or took Yahweh himself, took on this shape and form of Yahweh Elohim, from which he, Yahweh, the Father, would continue creation through this shape and form, through this knowable, explainable, visionary shape and form that we understand by this uh, incorporeal tabernacle pattern, which is later brought forth in the midst of Israel, are in the midst of the wilderness of Sinai here that you see here. This is the tabernacle pattern, a physical tabernacle pattern, but that's Yahweh's pattern. That's not Bezalel and Aoleb's pattern. That's not Moses's pattern. That is Yahweh's pattern. And this pattern of Yahweh brings salvation to Israel. So this pattern is rightfully named Yahweh's salvation because on the day of atonement, all of Israel had sinned and the only way that they would not be killed for these sins is for the high priest to operate in this tabernacle in such a way that Yahweh manifestly forgives those sins that Israel does. And so therefore this becomes their salvation in the middle of the wilderness of Sinai as an example that Yahweh himself is salvation. And if you look at the shape and form at the top of this mountain, this Eloistic shape and form, you have Yahweh, you have Elohim, and you have Yahshua. And Yahweh Elohim's name. Now, what is his name? And what is his son's name, if you could tell? And no one could tell the son's name back at the time of Moses. They did not know, what they didn't even know to call Yahweh this visionary shape and form a son, because this operation or this uh, progression from abstract to intermediate to concrete had not yet been revealed to mankind. And so this name was hidden. And uh, 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 John on the Isle of Patmos picks up that you will have a new name, which no man knows uh, except uh, it be revealed. And so there are religions that they 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 give themselves a new name because the revelation says they have a new name. So they pick a new name for themselves. And the reality is that Yahweh, the Father, being the salvation, was not known. Yahshua was not known until uh, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's when this name uh, of Yahshua as the Holy Spirit, not as the physical body, they understood that that physical body of the baby that was born, that everybody's been celebrating with, that that baby, that baby's name, eight days, listen, eight days after it was born, it was named Yahshua. And the world then knew that this child was named Yahshua, which means Yahweh is salvation or liberation or freedom. I I've got about eight minutes here, so let me just try to get this across as well as I can. That this body was a manifestation of the salvation of Yahweh, but in the sense, it is the fulfillment of these the the manifestations all the way down through, including this tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai. But this specially prepared body was not like any other body 
on uh, the planet because this body uh, came directly from Yahweh through Yahweh Elohim. Uh, Mary was uh, uh, impregnated with the Holy Spirit. And so that was a transformation or a transmutation of the spirit uh, of Yahweh Elohim in Mary. And it grew uh, 40 weeks in the womb, just like a physical body does, uh, because it was a physical body. And it was birthed and, and went through baby and, and adolescent, etc., and then became empowered with the uh, ability to, uh, uh, or the timing to preach uh, the gospel and to reveal just who he was so he could say to the uh, 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 Pharisees before Abraham was, I am. And they were astounded because they said, you're only 30 years old. How can you you be back before Abraham was? But Yahshua was now talking about the reality of this body, which was that uh, Yahweh Elohim, that Elohistic shape and form manifested within this physical body. And Paul, I think, talks about it, is that that uh, it pleased Yahweh, that in him, in Yahshua, the fullness of the supernal nature would dwell. And that is Yahweh Elohim in there. And the uh, revelation of what really happened with this is that Yahshua, this man Yahshua, hanging uh, eventually on this cross, came in to fulfill the types and shadows of this old covenant, which is also manifest by uh, this tabernacle pattern in the wilderness of Sinai. We're not looking to have another tabernacle pattern. We're not looking to have a temple uh, uh, like Solomon's temple was. We don't even care if they ever find the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant has no power at, at all at this point in time. But the whole world is looking for that, looking for pieces of Noah's Ark, looking for all of these great things, and then uh, making them to have some kind of power uh, uh, imbued within them. And just as Israel uh, raised that golden calf up out of the, 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 the wilderness there, the fire, and they imbued within that golden calf the power uh, of uh, Yahweh in their minds, or God, bring us back down into Egypt. Then they imbued the power to move in this golden calf to bring them back down into Egypt. And that's the idea of a cult. A cult takes something natural and imbues power into it and then worships the natural, claiming it has the power. That's why they have the crackers and grape juice. That's why they have the statues of Mary. That's why they have the cross and the crucifixions. That's why they have the pieces of saints in jars in certain churches. And they these relics become holy and they wait for some uh, statues to uh, cry blood. And all of this stuff is all manifested uh, physically and it and all is the way a, a cult operates. It cannot see spirit and it imbues it in the flesh. And that's why when Yahshua died on this cross, they lost him. They never saw him again because he went into that tomb and they, they just lost track of him. Why? Because the spirit, the actual animated spirit that uh, is Yahweh Elohim, is Yahweh in that eternal uh, uh, state, uh, came up out of there and uh, he resurrected a spiritual body. Now watch and listen, because it, it, on the day of Pentecost, 
The Passover was fulfilled spiritually. The Passover was, this is my body, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. And in that upper room, when everyone received the Holy Spirit, that was the body of Yahshua and spiritual body. Now the spiritual lamb broken for them. That's when they knew that it was Yahweh who was salvation. That is to say in the spirit and not in the flesh. And so uh, the this uh, world uh, is just hung up on the on the flesh and uh and when let me just say this at the end when mary uh had that child and uh the the wise men went to her uh and the wise men were told uh something like you know uh you're praised or be glory because uh uh the god is with you in other words uh emmanuel they were told that this blessed event had taken place which was the birth of the Messiah or the birth or God coming. And so that was what uh, Mary was told that uh, she would have a child and he would, and he would be uh, uh, this precious son uh, or Elohim with them. That's the uh, Isaiah seven fourteen. But uh, uh, Emmanuel was what Yahshua was known before the circumcision. After the circumcision, the name Yahshua was given to him. So if you're using God, if you're using anything other than the revealed name of Yahshua, you are stating that you are before the circumcision. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit entered into those boys in the upper room, they were circumcised of the theories, concepts, and opinions uh, that they had held even uh, after the death of the Messiah uh, uh, in those 50 days, 53 days that he was appearing in and out of uh, the realm of that spirit to them. They still didn't know what was going on. They didn't know him. They didn't know the purpose. But on the day of Pentecost, they knew Yahshua, that Yahweh was salvation. And they began to understand these great mysteries that uh, we have had opened up to us through this divine vision and revelation uh, to the founder. Uh, and it is just uh, uh, amazing to understand that uh, these people in every walk of life uh, uh, are missing the reality behind spirit and only looking at the flesh. And that's why uh, they have Emmanuel uh, instead of Yahshua, because all they see is a flesh someplace, and they have not had that broken for them. They have not received the Holy Spirit broken for them. And with that, I, I thank you uh, for the time. Thank you very much, Dr. Emler. And that will conclude our class. I'd like to thank everyone that has attended. And uh, we will end the class with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude, the Holy Name Bible. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty dominion and power 
both before all time and now and ever. Let the class say, hallelujah. Hallelujah.